I'm gonna start the music. We're gonna go. Yeah. Okay. I've just closed my eyes again. Climbed aboard the dream weaver train. Trying to take away my worries of today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. I am Mark, and I am coming to you from the chilly Comic Book Dungeon. <laughs> and I am Cruz, and I am coming to you live from the extremely fucking cold Wolf Spider Arena. Holy shit. I'll stop <laughs> bitching about the mild chill in the uh, <laughs> basement for Comic Book Dungeon. Oh, no. Might, might I add, uninsulated wolf spider arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. I mean, it's it's only 68 degrees in here. Oh, piss off. <laughs> I don't even want to know how cold it is in here, dude. I am literally, literally, I am wearing an insulated set of coveralls for this. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll shut the fuck up. So... Actually, I probably won't, because that would make a boring show, and as I learned uh, on the last episode, we need two hosts, and we need two hosts communicating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you you're wearing pants, That's and you think it's cold. That's exactly why I, I do think it's cold, because I'm absolutely not wearing pants. Well, that would explain why it's a little chilly. 68's like a perfectly fine temperature. If I have to put on pants in the basement, then the terrorists win. I'm not going to give in. You know what? I applaud your principles. Thank you. I do. Somebody's got to have ideals and stick to them around here. (laughs) So, uh, we're back. Uh, We're excited to bring you uh, uh, another exciting uh, episode of the show. I hope people are tuning in. I didn't put them off with my mildly awkward... uh, what if by a uh, solo episode? Yeah, I found it entertaining. Yes, I uh, we 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 talked about doing more of those, and uh, I actually think there might be one uh, uh, unexpectedly coming up in the future. But we'll uh, get to that at some point again in the future. Uh, how have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, I I've been. Oh, geez, I don't even know how deep to go down the fucking rabbit hole with this shit. Uh, there's been a, a lot of upheaval in the uh, cruise house, so I've been contending with a lot of that. But I'm glad that my schedule has cleared up and uh, allowed me to return triumphantly. Uh, also, it's 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 Thanksgiving weekend, and I have a nice five day weekend. I'm so fucking thrilled. I have to I have to agree. I'm also I decided to take a 5-day weekend. I took a couple of days off, so I'm uh, excited about that as well. Yes. Oh yes. I'm 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 overjoyed. Uh I I'm going to fucking play a shit ton of Destiny because that's what I do and watch some shit and maybe read some comic books and maybe actually uh 
you know, I, I've I've been feeling that this urge to uh, to finally uh, crack open some of the U-Haul boxes from when I first moved back out here, and 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 get get some good old science fiction paperback reading done. Nice. Yeah. I, I don't that and the fact that my Kindle's broken and I can't fucking get any of this shit off of it. <laughs> well, you should be able to do that on your phone. It's it's not the same. <laughs> I, I I I don't know. Have, have you have you had an e-reader that's you know that's got like the e-ink or whatever the hell it is? Have, my, have you had one of those? My wife has one. Yeah, you know what? For me, maybe it's because my my eyes are just that fucked up, and you know middle-aged myopia starting to set in i don't know but staring at a backlit screen for extended periods of time that doesn't involve me shooting something tends to kind of wear my eyes out a lot faster than something like the the uh the the kindle e-ink or the nook whatever whatever e-ink page it is you know whatever it is Whatever technological magic that they fucking use for that shit that makes it makes your eyes think it's like almost like a piece of paper in front of you. I find that way more enjoyable for my reading experience than something that's backlit. Just pretend that you're reading off of a pad from Star Trek. No. So I know you were doing a lot of extensive travel over the last few years. I heard that uh, some of this is coming back. Uh uh in a big way for you that because one of those trips that you took you took a few uh actually a few trips to the ukraine uh for the state department do you have any concerns about that now or uh well you know i was sitting on the board of that company for a little bit and uh where's the server (laughs) i i I don't know what you're talking about i never met him (laughs) I never met. Oh, 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 God. Ah, okay. I'm sorry. You just triggered me with that because it, it made me remember. Um, uh, I my sister, and I think I've told you about my sister and, and how much of a Trump loather she is. Yes. Um, she started sending me pictures. Because, uh, you know, we regularly shoot memes back and forth about whatever's going on in politics of the day. Yes. And, because uh, you're part of the deep state. Yes, I'm part of the deep state. Uh, and uh, I, I kicked it off with something, and it's probably something I sent you as well. I don't want to go dig it up right now and verify. <laughs> but uh, she responded back, apparently – Judging by the hair, I want to say this was like in the mid nineties to mid nineties to mid two thousands. I want to say it was around that time frame. There's some sort of a video with Giuliani and drag and Trump freaking motorboating him. <laughs> Do you know anything about this? I don't. This is this is a comic book dungeon exclusive. Oh, oh my god. Really? No, I don't. Oh shit! I've got to. I've got to. I've got to get on YouTube and freaking Google this shit and watch it, even though it's going to cost little portions of my sanity. This, this is yes. the insurance that uh, Giuliani says that he has against Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, apparently uh, he, he he was in drag, and he said he was his twin sister, Trudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Trump, I, 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 she sent me a zoomed-in close-up of him motorboating Giuliani's melons. Man, I got to show this to my wife. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I, I will send it to you right now, dude. And I will post it on the oh Instagram. <laughs> Man, some hard hitting reporting. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a couple decades out of context. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I am going to, uh, I'm going to send you this and, uh, you are probably, this is going to be live, uh, yeah, live freaking hijinks going on right now okay so yeah brace yourself the 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 disturbing pictures are coming oh boy oh yeah uh there i heard it come in there it is oh fuck i don't want to look at this (laughs) holy shit (laughs) this is great radio (laughs) yeah it will be on the the instagram I'll get. I will post this onto the Instagram. Oh man, uh, I'm saving them all right now because I will post these onto the Instagram. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. Okay. And wait, wait. I'm saving the last one. the The last one is the best one. I'm saving this just for the kicker because I, you know, it's one of those. It, if I didn't tell you. You'd think I, you'd think I was making this shit up, man. If you look at Donald Trump in the '80s and the '90s, he is not like a weird-looking guy. He's a guy that I mean, if you saw, you wouldn't think like he's weird-looking at all. I mean, he's got the bad hair piece, but other than that, I mean, he's a pretty average-looking dude. When did he turn yeah. orange and like get the white, the weird white raccoon? Like he's like Gamora, how Gamora has like the yellow around her eye. I mean, when did yeah, that happen? Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, because I mean, I know he was like, you know, doing The Apprentice, and and you know, he always has had some sort of a media presence. I don't know at what point the freaking fake spray tan started getting liberally applied. Yeah, just that, and man, I mean, he his body shape is just real weird, and it's just. Whenever you see, like, he's on, like, outside the White House, and he just, the way he moves and stands around and awkwardly, like, moves around, it's just, it's, everything about him is just weird. I mean, he's not, like, Michael mm. Jackson weird. He's not, it, 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 it's not necessarily the same, you know, league, but it's the same fucking sport as Michael Jackson. I mean, he's just <laughs> a dude that, as he's gotten older, he's gotten weird, real weird. Well, yeah. When you're that rich, it's 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 not weird. It's eccentric. That's <laughs> what he tells himself. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. This was from Inside Edition. <laughs> oh my God! There it is. There it is. Trump motor is motorboating boat. drag queen Giuliani. This is. Oh man, you shouldn't have sent this to me the day before Thanksgiving because I'm going to show this to the <laughs> Trumpy in-laws. <laughs> Oh god! But uh, yeah, this is great dinner conversation starters right here, man. Um, I'm gonna clear the table out with this one too. I 
lost my train of thought on this. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to when you're looking at the current president of the United States motorboating drag queen Julie. <laughs> yeah. Tits. This will play well in the Bible Belt. Uh, oh, man. I, uh, I've been reading a ton of comics. Wanted to do some, uh, some, uh, some hard-hitting comic book uh, reporting here. So uh, I've, I think I've talked about it a few times on the show. I've read Superman Earth One, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I picked up the rest of the Earth One uh, comics, and I've read the volume one of all of them, and then I reread volume one of Superman, and uh, really enjoyed them. I uh, I've heard that they're doing a Aquaman and a Flash Earth One, which I'd say of the entire series those are the two i'd be the most interested in but uh yeah if i love dc and i love their ability to reimagine shit well i don't love dc as much as marvel and i'm sure other people love dc more but anyway i uh i I, i've enjoyed the earth one line and i mean if you're fans of those characters uh really good i'd say though of the i think there's five the Green Lantern Earth One was amazing, and I know you're a bit of a Green Lantern fan. Yeah, I do. I do rather enjoy uh, the Green Lantern stories. I I think you would really enjoy the Green Lantern Earth One. That was by far the or the best. Then Superman, which I'm not a Superman fan, but the Superman Earth One was really well done. So that would be my number two. Teen Titans, which took uh, was in a way different direction than I I, 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 I did that that whole series just caught me out of left field with how uh, the, the origin of the Teen Titans in that universe that would be my three and then I, I'd say Wonder Woman and then the last Batman but those two they're pretty close and they weren't mm. bad they just were not uh, as good as the other ones but they were still pretty good the right, the Batman one kind of caught me off guard because uh uh, Alfred is a shotgun wielding ex special ops uh, uh, operative, so okay. it's a bit of a different. And Batman isn't as good as I mean, it's him. It, it's everybody's kind of origin story first starting out in kind of a much more modern, dark sort of world. And there's nothing that would lead you to believe that these are interconnected, except for Earth One and stuff in Green Lantern doesn't seem to jive with the Earth that the rest. Going, but it, it, it they all very well. They most likely are in a shared world, and I'm sure in ten years we'll see a Justice League of these guys. But man, it's I would I would recommend the Earth One uh, uh, series, and I know the the entire line is on sale uh, for Black Friday. So they're normally like fifteen dollars, and they or sixteen dollars, and I got all the volume twos for four dollars each oh wow yeah very very decent sale so yeah really good um i'm just starting uh war of the realms the most recent marvel crossover uh so i mean it's it's wrapped up now so you know i'm several months behind because of marvel unlimited but yeah just starting that so good stuff coming out of marvel really digging some of the x-men stuff going on right now uh i watched the crow which I hadn't seen that since I was, uh, I think, in eighth grade when it first came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. I remember that there's one scene uh, where one of the, the psycho boys, or whatever you want to call him, is just is like, 
he asks where where one guy's at, and he's like, "Oh, he's probably upstairs banging away on Darla." Yes, yeah, I'm trying to remember <laughs> that guy's name. Fun boy, fun, fun boy, boy was upstairs going to town on Darla. Yep. Yeah, I had not seen that since it had come out, but man, no movie makes me think more of middle school than that fucking movie because the hype around it because of what happened to Brendan Lee. Yes. Yeah, I mean that was like I said, I was in I was in seventh or eighth grade when that movie came out, and just, I can't tell you how many discussions people or conversations people had just about Brendan Lee and that movie and conspiracy theories or just weird shit because of that. But uh, because of that, I ended up purchasing the graphic novel, and I'm slowly, I think I'm a third of the way through the actual source book, which I'd never read before. How is it? It's pretty good. It's uh, apparently, I'm, and I'm blanking on the guy's name who wrote it, um, so I'll, I'll have to get my facts in order, and I'll, I'll, I'll do an update on this. But he wrote it right after his, uh, I believe it was his girlfriend, not his wife, but his girlfriend was uh, killed by a drunk driver. So oh, wow. he put a lot of his anger and angst in the book. I mean, it's it's different. Uh, it, it's clearly different than the uh, the movie, like most things are. But yeah, it's interesting. The crow is more the 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 crow, the actual bird, is much more of an antagonist uh, in that he has like a personality and he can speak and he kind of taunts the human character. So it's kind of huh. interesting. Reminds me a little bit if you've read Moon Knight. Moon Knight's relationship with Kanshu, the uh, Moon uh-uh. God. I, you know what? As interesting as the Moon Knight character is, I've not read any of the, any of the books. I uh, I've been a I was a hater for quite a few years of Moon Knight because of my exposure to him in the '90s. But uh, I've recently, over the last five or six years, changed my mind on that, and I've really enjoyed thoroughly enjoyed Moon Knight. He was kind of Marvel's answer to uh, Batman, but the only thing is he's got, like, the multiple personality disorder, and I don't believe that's a real diagnosis. There's a, a bit of controversy behind that in the, in the field, in the psychology field, and the thing is, it's, it's literally, it's, it's like 70% of the cases are found by 10% of clinicians, so is this a real disorder, and it's dissociative personality disorder? Is this a real disorder, or is this just a form of psychosis that we've... It, it, it much better, say, fits that tag, but we we're calling it something else. So it, it's kind of controversial if that's an actual thing. But if you do, I mean, it is in the DSM-5, and there are listed uh, symptoms... And the way that Moon Knight has it is not anywhere like a real person would have it. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, the media, when they get a hold of it, they never do it correctly or right or realistic. And other than that, though, I mean, it's a, it's a guy who thinks he's a bunch of other people brutally beating the shit out of people. Who could not enjoy that? So, <laughs> so it's good Sounds stuff. like good, wholesome fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I... Uh, when I have kids, I'm going to make sure they're reading from an early age. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you end up picking up Marvel Ultimate Alliance? I, I have not picked it up yet. Oh, I, I cannot get my boo. Switch away from my kids, dude. Because uh, they just, then the most recent DLC pack, Moon Knight, was added. Yeah, I, I can't get my fucking Switch away from my kids, okay? Man. They, they have been hogging the damn thing playing Smash Brothers. 
And then I made the mistake of going on to the store and um, uh, that's when my older two saw that uh, the sequel to Undertale, uh, I think it's called Delta Rune, was available on it. So and it was free. So they were like, oh, dad, download this. So I downloaded it and now they've, they're playing fucking Delta Rune on it now. So it's a pretty fucking badass system. It is. I wish I can get a little more hands-on time with it, but uh, yeah, you know, it was originally a, a gift for my kids from uh, from their grandmother, and I, I feel it would be a, a rather selfish and douchebaggy move for me to kind of take it for myself when they actually have an interest in using it. If it feels good, do it. I did for a little while. And, and once they saw that I was having fun with the Switch, they were like, oh, well, well, that's ours, isn't it? Can't we play it? And I was like, fuck. Fine. Our Fine. Fr- our friend Schneider was over last week, and we broke into a game that neither one of us had played before, but Hellblade got ported to the Switch a couple months ago. And we had... Hellblade? Yeah, Is that not... the one with the female protagonist? Yeah, with schizophrenia. Yes. Yes, and I knew that she had it, and I knew they were supposed to be some kind of fun mechanics with it, but neither one of us were prepared for just how kind of cool it is, where whatever you're you're doing, there's just a bunch of voices whispering. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard they did a really bang-up job with that one. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. So we played a little bit of that, and we were playing some Sniper Elite 2, because Schneider was on my Switch a couple months ago, and... Because we took a screenshot accidentally, and he's like, oh, I wonder what's in your screenshot folder. And f- fans of the show, if you don't know this, I'm kind of a sociopath, or I'd say a psychopath, where I, <laughs> I, when I play Sniper Elite, the only thing usually, either I take pictures of, say, in Marvel, like, fun <laughs> team combinations, just so I remember them, but 99% of my photos uh, or screenshots, because I usually don't take them, the only time I take them is in Sniper Elite, where, say, if I shoot somebody in the teeth, and, like, their teeth are flying out, or, you know, their brains are splattering out of the back of their head, so I just have, like, my kill, like, my, my, my best of kills, so he's, like, scrolling through, he's like, these are all just, like, x-ray murders, like, what the fuck? So when he came over last week, I'm like, I added, I, I've gone back to Sniper Elite. Here's some more of my uh, awesome, like, brain pans, like, exploding sort of pictures. Here's some more of my murder porn for yeah, you. Take that, a that's look. Ex- that's exactly what it is. I record my murder porn. I can't oh. wait to get to the third one, because I hear they do a lot more fun shit with the groin shots. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. There's individual testicles that you could explode. Yes. So... Uh, <laughs> granular (laughs) i always laugh because like my nieces have a switch and you can tell their their mom doesn't she thinks of it as a very family wholesome system and when she talks about it or like my wife and my mom talk about the switch i always point out that i've committed several thousand digital murders (laughs) on mine and if you look at like what's on because i know they have like you know zelda and uh, morio and just that's their switch mine is uh, nothing but like fighting games, and you know I have Doom and Wolfenstein and Butcher, and I mean it's just it's nothing but murder. Uh yep. I, I'm glad Nintendo's grown up a little bit. Yeah, they they didn't do too bad with the 64 in terms of uh the content that was on there because I mean the the real the two games that I think were really standouts on the 64. 
that put it on the map were uh, uh, Goldeneye and yep. Turok. And yep, those are the same two I had in mind. Yes, because I mean, I what made me want to get an N sixty four is when I was over at a friend's house and he showed me Turok Dinosaur Hunter. I thought that was insane. That, that game was, was so fucking awesome. Yeah, when they re-released it recently, I got it on my my laptop through Steam. I fucking I can't tell you how much time I spent on that when I was uh, a teenager. And then the multiplayer game that I mean that that really sold the system and having being able to have more than two people at a time was Goldeneye. I cannot tell you in high school how many times like you'd go to somebody's house and they tell you to bring your controller so you guys could have yeah. a yeah. That was your high school. That was my early army career. <laughs> I, I mean, I believe it. Oh man, man I was. Yeah, that was fun times. I was thinking about picking Golden Eye back up because I there was one level I could never beat, and trying to go back into it and see if I could, uh, as a you know, a little bit older, a little bit better at games, see uh, see if I could finish the game. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't know if that would be worth my time to revisit. But yeah, I mean that uh, Nintendo. I mean they. I, again, that was a. They realized to compete with the PlayStation, they needed to have those more mature games. Yeah. Uh, it's not like GameCube didn't have those because I mean I can name a bunch of really badass mature content, but it didn't feel like they. They were there, but Nintendo didn't embrace them as much. Right, and, yeah, they they were kind of gatekeeping for their systems for a bit. Yeah, and I, I, the Wii had some some good ones as well, but I I think that they knew from the for the Switch to be successful after the horrific abortion that the Wii U was that from the get go they were going this couldn't be just a casual gamer system that they were going to have to get the the U and the Mies on board if they were going to make this uh, make this system work. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there was a little bit of a drought after, uh, after the initial games came out. There was Zelda, which I think has mass appeal. But, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I remember I was counting the days until fucking Skyrim came out. Yeah, I'm, uh, if I, like I said, if I can ever pry it away, or if I finally get around and get myself a Switch Lite, uh, yeah, this just so I have an exclusive to me handheld. Uh, Skyrim's definitely something I can see myself sinking a shit ton of time into. I think you were a big Dragon's Dogma fan. I I probably put a good sixty hours into it and barely scratched the surface, and I saw they've got it on Switch. Yeah, that's one that I, I think I'm going to eventually pick up. I want to go back to Skyrim. I I put a bunch of time into it. Probably not a bunch, but like 25 or 30 hours. And like you said, that's not even going to scratch the surface. That's not even scratching the surface, dude. It's just, it seems like one of those games that's going to be difficult for me to jump back in after a year and a half. Uh, Probably. I I still have a a Skyrim save on my, uh, geez, was that 360 or is it the one that it came out on? I don't even remember. 360. Yeah, I think I still have a Skyrim save on my 360. Yeah, I really wish they would come out with Morrowind for it. Because that was a game I never played, but it's supposed—I mean, it, it's supposed to be an amazing game. And I know if it's not on a handheld, I'm just not going to put the time into it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, I've been looking at Fire Emblem for me. I've heard really good things about Fire Emblem. Yeah, <clears throat> and my, uh, my, my middle daughter, who is finally... How can I say this? She's she's embracing uh, her bookworm self and also embracing that she's discovered a love of RPGs. So I think it'd be a good fit for her too. Yeah, I could see that. So I'm I'm thinking of picking it up uh, over the course of the holidays for both of us. Because yeah, you're an RPG fan too, if I remember correctly. I I I, I do love RPGs. I just. Too much of a time sink. Yeah, it's it's just a bit of a time sink, and I think Fire Emblem Fire Emblem's not like super deep of an RPG, but it's got good story elements. It's more tactical. It's like kind of like Advance Wars meets an RPG. Yeah, I I can only I think Golden Sun is the only RPG I've ever beaten. Usually, I I play for a half hour and they just get too slow for mm. me because I'm too ADD, but. Oh, uh, I actually am a little bit excited about the Final Fantasy VII remake that's coming out. I think that's one I might give a shot, uh, give a, a chance to. I I would love to. I think the last RPG I that wasn't that wasn't a Bethesda one. So we're, we're excluding Fallout or Skyrim or any of those. Well, those are those are action RPGs. I'm thinking yeah. of more turn-based RPGs. Yeah, the last turn-based RPG I freaking went balls deep into was on the 360 and it was this little title called blue dragon i've heard of it it's supposed to be really good it was really good all freaking like i think it took like three or four fucking uh whatever format xbox used it's comparable to blu-ray yeah yeah i I had made it all the way to the last disc before i kind of fell off of it i think mass effect came out and distracted me another series i i never really gave a big shot but i've always wanted to like i have the collection on so my ps3 good. yeah i have like so good i love that they come out with these like they the i have the bioshock collection on my ps4 i have mass effect on my ps3 and i just i just i need to quit my job and just make that my priority you know what same here let's uh, let's both quit our jobs and we will do nothing but game and uh, we can podcast and game. Yeah, we'll just we, we, we can have a gaming podcast. Well, we'll just twitch them out, and then you know, just make the occasional homophobic or racial slur. That's how you get popular on Twitch. <laughs> we'll swat each other. How's that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Man, we're uh, we're procrastinating a bit from this issue. Uh, probably because it was a bit of a clusterfuck. Yeah, and in all fairness, readers, I read this one off of Marvel Unlimited, which uh, is the first time I've done that. So it's a good thing I started on the second-to-last issue. And that's what really pissed me off, that this issue doesn't go anywhere, and it's the second-to-last issue. Oh, I don't think I covered this last time. Um, So there is a graphic novel that came out like 10 years later that most people do consider part of this continuity of Killraven. I uh, purchased it, uh, so it's on my my Kindle, or not my Kindle, but my uh, tablet, I mean. So that's something in the future, and I think we have talked about that, maybe covering that. Uh, Yeah. 
Because yeah, it, it's a weird history. Because then there's a series after that that takes place in the that that was from the early 2000s. That is not this 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 same uh, Kill Raven. He's uh, from a different part of the multiverse. There was supposed to be a last graphic novel in the late 80s that Don McGregor had planned, but it never had come out. And they he he made a few appearances here and there, but it was like a I think Marvel Zombies five that they kind of end the. Uh, the, the the Martian story, but yeah, Don McGregor had plotted a story where Kill Raven and the Free Men go to Mars, and they uh, they kind of they they end the, uh, the 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 war that never came out. Hmm. That would have been nice to have a conclu- a, a solid conclusion with some closure. I mean, he's he's still alive. Marvel's still publishing. I'd say it's it's un unlikely, but you know, stranger things have happened. For some True. reason, Marvel had Rob Layfield come back and uh, pen and ink a few uh, uh, issues of a new series, and looks like that uh, they had a falling out because Rob Layfield's an asshole and fucks up <laughs> everything he touches. But uh, <laughs> but so like I said, stranger things have happened. Well, um, you want to start diving in? Okay, this is this. Amazing Adventures uh, issue thirty-eight. Uh, uh, from September of 1976, I believe. Sorry, I, I have it open on my tablet, and the Marvel Unlimited has for 2018 as the date, so uh, I forgot to have it up on my phone. 1976, uh, September. Um, so this is War of the Worlds featuring, or Amazing Adventures featuring War of the Worlds starring Kill Raven, issue 38, cover price of 30 cents, and this is Death's Dark Dreamer. Yeah. So, uh, what are you thinking of this cover? So, I I think this is a badass cover. I love this cover. And if the cover is supposed to be an ambassador for this issue to make people pick this off of uh, the news rack, this absolutely would succeed in that. Uh, and it... I love it. it. Even has a little blurb there. The most uh, unexpected shocker of all. This one, when I did, I, this is the issue that I've been looking forward to the most because of this cover. And it was. It is shocking that this is what we're going to see. What did you think yeah. of the cover? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, this cover, it, it definitely has pull. I mean, you've got you've got Kill Raven uh, being beset upon by what you would typically think of as Marvel's heroes, which, which it, it answered a question I've had in my head was, is this supposed to be further past the timeline of, of what we've seen in Marvel's comics as far as like their, their core hero groups? And if so, what the hell happened to them? Well, it, it answers some of that. So you can tell from the character designs that these are not say the, there's something wrong with them. Like Daredevil's the most obvious. Yeah. He's got goat legs. But just so the readers know, we have Kill Raven in front and center, and he's kind of like, gar- like cringing, kind of has his arms up, like warding them off. And we have Daredevil, Doctor Strange, The Thing, Black Panther, Iron Man, uh, Namor or Namor, uh, Iron Fist, and Medusa kind of besieging him from all sides. But again, like the character designs are a little bit off. So these right. are our Marvel heroes of the time. And yeah, so it is a little bit complicated because Mar- uh, Spider-Man had time traveled to this future. So 
that indicated that this was the Marvel Universe, that this was Marvel 2019, or I guess we're 2020 now. Um, <laughs> so I guess this proves that the timeline that we're living in currently is not the darkest timeline, but it's close. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Marvel had, uh, they envisioned this as a possible future for the current Marvel continuity, Marvel 616 in the 70s. And there was also a another series that took place in the, well, there were several, but another big one that took place in the future was Guardians of the Galaxy. That was supposed to be the year 3000, where the Badoon was the alien threat to Earth. That was also supposed to be a future of the Marvel Universe. Okay. So both have been rewritten to be futures of a different Marvel Earth, uh, different Earth from the uh, multiverse, but the, at the time that was the thinking. Um, we crack this bitch open. We see <clears throat> that there's no Don McGregor this week, which might explain some of these issues. Uh, it's Bill Mantlo, who is a great writer in his own right. Uh, writer. Keith Griffin is the artist. Al Milgram, inker. Karen Mantlo, we got some nepotism going here. Letters. Don Warfield, colors. And Archie Goodwin, editor. Yeah, this seems like a, pretty much a all new cast from the last one. Yes, except for Don. Uh, nope. Yeah. Yeah. So different it's Don. it's different than our normal team. And you know what? I'm gonna jump the timeline here a little bit. Why is it not taking me to the next issue? I want to see. I want to make sure we have Don McGregor writing our last issue. Because I'm a little worried now. Yes, Don <laughs> McGregor will be returning for the final issue. Uh, uh, true believers. Okay, so see now this 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 puts pressure on me because I will have a map for the last show. <laughs> Talking about a map, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, we don't get the normal opening that we have been because we don't get the month and the year. So I assume that this is probably January or February of twenty twenty, based off of where they were last issue. Yep, but. Uh, our, our 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 good buddy Killraven and his uh, I guess he didn't follow fucking directions because he's in Miami now. What the fuck? <laughs> I left so fucking hard. Exactly, he was like, in Miami. Like, okay, seriously, how navigationally challenged do you have to be? Yeah, at this point, if you're in Miami, you've got fucking bodies of huge bodies of water to your fucking east your west and your south you can't go any further what the hell is going on so the last issue this is 37 the last issue is 38 if this show or this uh series kept going like issue 40 was going to be like cuba <laughs> and it was just issue 39 is the serpent stallion and him just like paddling water over to Cuba. <laughs> We're almost to Yellowstone. We just got to keep swimming. I mean, fuck. I know he's this... going to go through the keys and he's going to be like this Hemingway guy it was very popular. <laughs> I mean, I know that this is the po post-apocalyptic wasteland. But I think we talked about this last episode, or two episodes ago. You're telling me that you haven't passed, like, a fucking gas station or a library that just has, like, a paper atlas or a, paper, or a map or an atlas of the United States? That, like, Something. <laughs> Something. 
Is there no one smart enough to freaking hack into like whatever freaking navigation system the Martians use? Do you think- clearly they know where to go? Do you think he knows that the Martians are planning that ambush of him in Yellowstone National Park? The uh, the Martian overlord is just sitting there, stamping his feet. Just he's gonna be here any minute now. Well, you know because they're keeping tabs on him. And because we had an issue where he's like, "What the fuck is Kyle Raven doing? He's he's not even any close." Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's like, okay, you know what? My patience is being sorely tried here. <laughs> we don't have the resources to keep this army on standby day after day, waiting for Kill Raven. This yeah, is just maybe, Kill Raven trolling him. Yeah, maybe this is just a master stroke of tactical genius, and and he's just he's deliberately having them keep tabs on him, and he's he's just wandering around, fucking off, just wasting their time, and, and then he's just gonna kind of like you know go completely freaking silent running and surprise attack him yeah, he's gonna get there and there's just this like three story tall like mummified body <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the overlord. they're all desiccated as fucking shit and there's just he just walks in and just kind of kicks one and they crumble <laughs> yeah he just finds the 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 mummified body of his brother Oh man, that would be uh, fantastic. That would be. I don't think that's the the end we're gonna get. But uh, no, man. One thing I gotta say about this this issue, just looking at it again, the artwork in this one is pretty kick ass. I mean, his serpent stallion has never looked better than it does on this uh, first page. Yeah, I, I I'll concur with you there. The serpent stallion, his uh, his uh, what did you call him? Spiny maned steed or something? Yeah. Yeah, he he looks like he's something off of like a an Iron Maiden cover from the 1980s. I mean, he looks badass. Yep, at 100 percent metal. He's more metal than the Cybertruck. <laughs> Bet if you threw a rock at it to Adam too, he wouldn't just immediately shatter. Oh man! So, Kill Raven is inexplicably in Miami, and. Um, he comes across this domed, uh, uh, structure that's crumbling, uh, that's, it's, it's in the water, and it's got this Jetsons-looking, uh, tube connecting it to the mainland. Yeah, because he's, you know, Kilraven is figuring maybe he can go to freaking Cuba. And he, uh, he told, or we learned that he had the rest of the kill, uh, the free men stay behind because he had a feeling that there was a, as he says, a sense of strangeness to this place. And so he, that's why he's scouting ahead. Right. Because nothing says, uh, great leadership. Like instead of, you know, delegating scouting to more than one person, take a look at it. He's going to just go forward by himself alone with no backup to scout something out. Especially that's, he's, uh, that's good tactical thinking there. He said the, the Martians have le- left them alone the past couple days, but that, that, that implies that for most of the journey they're being constantly harried by uh, Martian troops. So wouldn't you not want to split off by yourself? You know, maybe he figures to throw them off, the, off his scent. Maybe. So, Kill Raven, he uh, leaves his uh, serpent stallion on the beach, and he takes his belt and uses it to climb up to this uh, the skyway uh, to get entrance into what we know is the Dream Dome. 
Wonder what yeah. that could mean. I I don't know. I have no idea what could be implied by Dream Dome. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's walking his way in there, but he can, uh, you know, he's got this inkling something's amiss, and you know, there's apparently some sort of an electrical humming noise that's bothering him. So he he he's on guard. And yeah, we get a caption. Which I think this is the only time in the whole run that we've... I think maybe there, there was one f- several issues back, but this is rare for Marvel not to have these ongoing, but we get the little caption that it's... Uh, with the asterisk that lets us know uh, that he's referencing. Because he says, this remind, these machines remind me of the machines of the Keeper. And we get the Keeper, the scientist who captured and bred young John Raven for the Martians back in Amazing Adventure 18. We don't usually get those in, these, in this series for some reason. But uh, right. there it is. Yeah, wow. Number 18. Gosh, that's that's like 20 issues ago. Yeah, that was two years ago. Wow. Um, so as Killraven's uh, heading down this uh, skyway here, he uh, uh, he's walking, and out of nowhere we get a fishaw and a laser blast almost cooks him. And we learn that Killraven had arched back just in time, a fraction of a millisecond before the laser beam had hit the spot that he would have been walking on. But because the hum had stopped for a spot, uh, he, he heard it stop. And that was his clue that he should jump backward. And as stupid as that sounds, I thought that was awesome. I had a lot yep. of buy-in. I'm like, man, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're off to a really great start for sure. So... When we get to the end, I'm going to be a negative and I'm going to be an ass. So I just want you guys to know that I did not go into this wanting to dislike this. That I mean, at this point, I was real hooked in this issue. Yeah, I and I think I I share that sentiment. I mean, when we we started in, it was just I, I was buying into this. This was freaking awesome, you know. I, I mean, it had like it had hallmarks of the the. You know, these amazing adventure stories that we really, really loved with all the action and and and, and just really dynamic freaking panels. And then we get introduced to this guy here. Yeah, at first I thought it was Professor X. <laughs> it's it's a guy in a helmet and the helmet has some uh like cybernetic attachments to it. And it almost looks like he's sitting on a fan boat. I mean, it's Florida, and it looks like he's got a chair with a big fan behind it. So it's not—it's—it's it's not a bad uh, conclusion to draw from that. But no, it's just this guy in shadow, and he—he's uh, very excited that Killraven is entering this building because he says, "At last, another or another. At last, another." So he's—I'm uh, just going to read the whole his whole little blurb here. And elsewhere, an unmoving figure sits dot 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 dreaming and in his dreams cries out another at last another so he's excited that kill raven has entered the building we don't know why and then out of nowhere like a wormhole like this just opens in front of kill raven yep and he doesn't know what it is but he it, it, it's surprising because kill raven's usually fearless this freaks him right out Right, fair enough, and then, uh, yeah, he, uh, I guess he tries to run away, which is very unlike Killraven. Yeah, but I mean, if, you know, this, it looks like there's a galaxy, you know, just, just, just in front of him, there's stars, there's nebula, and so he's trying to get away from it, 
Yep, and, and as he as he makes his escape, we we see see this figure in shadow again, which oh see okay see I was still on the Professor X kick because I thought like maybe he got stuck in Cerebro, or something like that. It's not a bad hypothesis. That would have been much more interesting. It, exactly, you know, like what if for some reason he got stuck in Cerebro and like got. P- placed in sort of some sort of semi-suspended animation and he's been psychically freaking aware of this whole martian fucking crisis it could have been really cool we're gonna send you back to 1976 and you're gonna present this idea to the marvel bullpen okay that sounds like a great idea but uh, instead we get safe he's safe he made it past the first two security locks uh, yes, he's this off. is a futuristic umpire. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's off the causeway uh, inside the dome. I'm not alone anymore. So, Killraven, like, like you said, he gets, he the door opens, he gets inside, and we see that this building, it's the uh, Miami Museum of Cultural Development, and there's an automated voice that, as it's talking, it's, 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 it's a pre-taped voice, so we get click and whir, between the words, which actually reminded me of a super or a Spider-Man villain from early in Spider-Man's career, and we saw him come back during the Superior Spider-Man run. But it was this clunky old robot, the uh, the Living Brain. Um, maybe we should educate the uh, the youngins who are unfamiliar with why they would be clicking and whirring and stuff. <laughs> so you would have a machine. A tape player, and it would have it, it, it when it would play the tape. You know, it would have to whirl the spool. Bingo, and then the click would be the freaking head that reads the tape snapping into place. Yes, yes. So this is the the future that they envision that they would still be using uh, a tape. It's actually funny. There's a to get off on a bit of a tangent. There's an episode of the uh, original Star Trek Court Martial where Captain Kirk is a cute. Uh, he goes on trial. Because of a, a crewman was uh, killed in this pod during an ion storm. And when they're in his trial and they're playing back uh, a recording, the original script said, like, they, uh, the, like the, the prosecutor hits a button and the tape plays. And Gene Roddenberry says, or somebody says, play the tape back. And she hits the button. And Gene Roddenberry says, no, you can't have that. This is the 23rd century. They're not going to be using tape. <laughs> so exactly. They, they had to change the dialogue to say, and then the computer playback. So, a bit of a tangent, but. Well, Roddenberry was truly a visionary, unlike some people. Yes. So, we're in the Miami, ugh, the Miami Museum of Cultural Development, and it, the voice invites uh, Killraven to get on the escalator to proceed with his tour. Of course, he's amenable to doing so he does ask if the the voice of tomorrow as it introduces itself is the uh is the if it's what tried to murder him when he first came in which it doesn't it's not programmed to respond to that right so uh he he follows his directions and you know he's still hearing that humming as he's proceeding through and then it stops and when it stops, basically, is this is a great panel uh, where it looks like freaking Killraven's skull got ripped out of his head. Yes, there, 
you see half of his face, and there's this like loose skin, and then you see on the other side his skull, and it's implying his skull got ripped out of his fucking head. So actually, I, I want to back up a little bit. So the voice asks if it wants to see his exhibit on the 1950s and then asks if he wants to see the 1960s. And when he goes past the 1960s, it has a mannequin uh, wearing some hippie garb. Do you remember, I think it was issue 19, where him and Mishula go in the museum and they just like pick out like medieval clothing and weapons and they have a yeah. little fashion show and leave. I would have loved if uh, Killraven put on like the bell bottoms <laughs> and like the beaded vest and the flower shirt. And that was just his look for the last two issues. But we were not that lucky. But Killraven didn't have an interest in that and wants to know if he wants to see the exhibit about the man in space. Space. Right. But at that point, that's when we see his skull ripped out and a, yeah. bunch, uh, and a galaxy pop out of it. Exactly. And, and he... He pops out of his own head and flies into his own skull. I mean, you know. His own skull or old skull? Ooh, that would be a twist. <laughs> and then we, we see uh, fake Professor X here. No, I I didn't mean. Too eager. I jolted him too hard. And see, this still, still, I mean, it still leads one to believe that, you know, this could potentially be Professor X. Yeah, th- th- that's still a viable solution, but we see Killraven. He's being. It looks like he's in a like a trippy transporter effect, and he materializes uh, above New York City, but not the New York that he knows. The one in ruins. It's a modern nineteen seventies New York. Right, and as he's he's f- suspended, floating above New York, he gets a visit from the one and only. Iron Man. Rough trade Iron Man with the spiked gauntlets and spiked shoulder pads and cleats. Yeah, he, he, he's definitely... I'm not familiar with this freaking version uh, of the armor. It definitely looks a little metal. Yeah. Looks, looks like, you know, like Iron Man got fashion tips from Kiss. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> when they were making the army Kiss, they cut themselves and they poured a little bit of their blood into the, uh, the uh, alloy. Do you know about that? When they made like the Marvel Kiss comic, they uh, pour each of them put a little bit of blood in the inking vats. So if you have like a copy of like Kiss number one, there's a tiny trace amount of uh, Kiss's blood in that ink. Oh, that is fucking awesome! Yeah. It's the most 1970s thing you ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that, that this that's pre HIV AIDS scare of the 1980s. That shit would not have flown after that. <laughs> Man, oh man, we're uh we're in rare form tonight. But uh, we learn uh. that uh, so Killraven, as you do, he's yelling all of his thoughts out loud. That this isn't the New York he knows. It's as if the Martians never came. And Iron Man says, "Martians, there's no such thing, friend. I'm your guide for this stretch, friend. An audiovisual psychic projection or a dream. Take your pick. The name's Iron Man." Yeah, Iron Man's a little off. A little bit off, and uh, again to get on a little bit of a tangent. What he his armor reminded me a little bit about was in the eighties, or a little bit of is in the eighties. Iron Man ended up going to the far future year of twenty twenty, 
and uh, he met an evil, and uh, I think it was supposed to be his grandson, Arno Stark, who was the Iron Man of that age, who he had very similar armor, but he had gears around the shoulder, and actually looked pretty badass. And Marvel, this is kind of cool, they brought the character of Arno back several years ago, but he was the son of... Um, Iron Man's parents, but we learned that Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark, was really adopted by Howard and uh, Martha Stark. So this was their real son, so the adopted brother of, of Iron Man. And they've been kind of keeping him in their back pocket because they've, they've, they've kind of put out recently a little bit of a trailer showing that in 2020, coming up next year, they're going to relaunch the Iron Man book with Arno Stark as Iron Man wearing a similar armor. It's kind of fucking cool. But anyway, I'm distracting us from this awesome story. So, uh, fake Professor X, we, we cut back <laughs> to his interlude. No! He, he's being made to face my dreams, things from my memories. I can't stop, help you, my friend. The dreams are beyond my control. It's like Professor X freaking was possessed by Kirk. <laughs> So, but yeah, so go, go ahead. On. Go on. So so yeah, so Iron Man uh uh Iron Man is basically doing a little bit of a Trump speak, you know, is like what you've never heard of me? <laughs> Keeps calling Kill Raven's son and friend and Real weird. Yeah, and, and and Kill Raven, of course, being Kill Raven stuck on the Martian thing, and this Iron Man has he, he just ain't having it. So he proceeds to deck Kill Raven in the head. Which I wish we'd have gotten a good close up of that because that would have been fitting as fuck. Yeah, or if he just uh, told uh, uh, Kill Raven to look behind him so he could clobber him <laughs> in the back of the head. But this is so inexplicable. Inexplicable. You've never heard of me. I'm a myth, you know. Well, all I know about is Martians. Blah blah blah. Martians again, son. You can believe what you want in your time. But it, this is the now, and you either believe in me or you get out. So, he, and then he punches him. There's no reason for this conflict. He's like, just a solid sucker punch, though. I'm worried about uh, Martians. I don't know who you are. I'm gonna punch you in the mouth with my iron head. I mean, it's just no fucking reason for that. Right, and, and, and credit to Kill Raven, he's he's not much he, he's not much of a slouch. I mean, he takes the hit. Yep. And and, and not only does he take the hit though. He, he still is cognizant enough to freaking reach for one of his silver slash gold stars to throw it at freaking Iron Man in, in, as a counterattack. As he's falling, because they're both floating in midair, so as Killraven is falling, he yeah, he throws the star. But but, no, no use. Yeah, because Iron Man just catches it and crushes it. Yeah. So, like my hopes and dreams. <laughs> of a better <laughs> issue. But at this point, Killraven uh, dissolves, and he rematerializes. He falls to Earth, and he's uh, in a swamp in the middle of the Everglades. I, I wonder what he could come across here. And the dreamer that we meet, uh, tears well up uh, behind his eyelids because he knows what's about to follow. Boom, boom, boom. So as Killraven's walking, we see a green hand come out of the muck and grab him. And uh, we see come up from uh, in front of him is the man thing. Yes. So this is where it gets weird. So the dreamer 
knows about the man thing because we, as we learn, he was doing a training mission in the Everglades, and he just happened to to come across man thing. I mean, that's like because. Man, I was doing a training mission in uh, uh, Oregon, and I just happened to see a couple of Bigfoot walk by. I mean, it's just—it's a really <laughs> weird thing to have fucking happen to you. I mean, man, thing is not something that everybody just knows about in the Marvel universe and comes across. Okay. So I just—I thought that was real weird. It's not going to be my only criticism of the man thing appearance, but uh, right. So yeah, the. Kill Raven and Man Thing square off, and uh, uh, I, I guess Man Thing's confused by Kill Raven. Um, a little bit. He's trying to size him up, and Kill Raven tries to slash at him. It just goes right through. Kill Raven gets yelled at. Were please do not touch the holograms. Thank you. Click. Meanwhile, the hologram's kicking the living shit out of him. Yep. And then it grabs Iron or it grabs Iron Man, grabs Kill Raven, and it starts to burn him. Which, the Man-Thing's power is anything that knows fear burns at the touch of, uh, of Man-Thing. It didn't really seem like Kill Raven was afraid here. So, no? But, and so, you could say that because everything about these guys is a little bit wrong, so it would make sense that the rules don't necessarily apply, but I don't think this astronaut would know that that was the man thing's power. But I, 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 I think I'm overreaching. I'm thinking about this too much. Perhaps, but I, I mean, what, what else have you got to work with? We're, we're, we're filling in blanks because the story's not unfolding in a really organic manner. I, I do have to say this last panel is pretty cool because man, uh, Kill Raven starts to, to burn and then we see there's a burning hole in reality that Kill Raven had fallen through. So he goes from being on fire to being the portal that he falls through. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's pretty meta. Yeah. <laughs> so then this yeah. is where we start to cook here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the sh- the shark is about to be jumped. Okay, so Kill Raven lands, and he's in a group of all these '70s Marvel heroes, and they're watching Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is giving this big—it uh, looks like a sermon—and yep, the- it looks like he's proselytizing. Yep, it's welcome to the Hall of the People Pavilion. We stand gathered today to pay homage to the great Howard, voice of the masses, whose glib and silver tongue did ever lead us to greatness. So my question is exactly who is this Howard? That's a great question. I mean, could Howard be the dude in the chair? That was my guess. That's, that's, that's what I'm wondering. I'm, I'm thinking so too. If readers have a different hypothesis, uh, let us know. Yes, please guys. It's the only thing I can come up with at this point. Yeah, and that's that... after reading the whole book. Yep. Cause I, I read it again thinking that that might be that, that that that's the only possible explanation uh fake dr strange he conjures the uh uh the eye which is supposed to be the eye of magato agamato um so the guy in the chair is freaking out the dream is wrong they're turning on him so the right. heroes 
uh, they start to turn on Killraven. I like that we have some lesser-known heroes, even of that age, there. One, I believe we have Warpath, who's one of the X-Men, who's standing next to Thor. I like that we have Spider-Man there, because uh, Killraven actually re- met Spider-Man. But uh, we have Moondragon, the woman, the bald woman in the bikini, which I, I'm kind of a fan of hers, and I, I, I like that they included her. That that's uh, One, I don't know if you know, that's Drax's daughter. Oh, really? Yep. So that's kind of cool. Huh. You got Moon Dragon, you got Daredevil, Iron Fist. We got a, yeah, a bunch of characters. I believe we even have Scarlet Witch, which is funny because we get a different version of her later. I, I didn't notice this before. Iceman's there. Jack of Hearts is there, which I was not expecting. Uh, so a bunch of different characters. But yeah, they're trying to murder a kill raven. And yet, right. uh, Medusa says that they should... Uh, they, okay, so Dr. Uh, Strange, we must sacrifice him to the Howard. Yes, sacrifice him to the great Cassell. Uh, so Howard Cassell is the name. Howard Cosell. <laughs> I don't think that's... Uh, I think it is. It's got to be. American it's journalist gotta... Howard Cosell, yeah. Yeah. That is, that is. I didn't think that was how you spell Cosell. It absolutely is. Yep, they are Ooh. sacrificing him to the great coward Cosell. And I knew that all the time, everybody. <laughs> so no, we're not piecing this together on the fly as we as we as we go through it. Not at all. Uh, so Yellow Jacket tackles him from behind so Goat Leg Daredevil can murder him. Um as they're Goat Leg Daredevil. This is so funny, because as they're fighting him, um Kill Raven's trying to get a, or tr- trying to fight back. He murders the thing there with a silver star, which is awesome. This is a cool uh, one-page, mm-hmm. uh, 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 single-page uh, splash here. Um, we see a giant hand grab him, and it's a giant man, which is kind of funny because Yellow Jacket and Giant Man are the same guy. That's Hank Pym. So we have them huh. both in the same page. That makes yeah okay. L- little bit freaking you know. I'm not going to say narrative breaking because given what the narrative is, that would be entirely plausible. Yeah. But for anyone that does know all the characters, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Well, it's, it's kind of funny. And then giant man is going to, or is squeezing kill Raven to death, trying to crush him. And this is where this is weird because iron man who was trying to murder him two pages ago, uh, shoots giant man with a repulsor blast and then ends up saving, uh, kill Raven. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he plummets down, and Iron Man jumps in and scoops him up and saves the day. And it takes him to a. It looks like an Adams Family version of the Avengers Mansion. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I like that description. Definitely a very Adams Family Avengers Mansion. And when he lands, we have Vision and Scarlet Witch, which were both, they were both bad guys in the previous panel. And we see an earlier version of uh, Giant Man's costume. So okay. that's three different versions of Hank Pym. I mean, the, uh, they must have really, really liked whoever, whoever made that decision was a big Hank Pym fan. So uh, it, looks like it. Yeah, this is right before, I think, he, uh, he ends up slapping Wasp. In a vi- issue of the Avengers, 
uh, a slap heard around the comic book world. It, it was. It, it's actually again. It's a bit of a discretion uh, uh, of a of a yeah. Just 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 tangent. But uh, the I'm I'm blanking who the writer and the artist um, on that was. But um, Hank Pym's mental health was breaking down, and he was acting more and more erratic. And he was going on trial for the Avengers to try to justify his behavior. And he was going to make a robot to attack the proceedings so he could defeat it and show them, like, yeah, see, I'm. this is why you need me. I'm okay. And when Wasp questions him on it, he's gesturing with his... Originally, how it was written was he was gesturing with his hands, and he went to, uh, just, just while gesturing, hit her in the face. And then it was an accident, and he was... Like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. But when the artist drew the page, he drew it as a premeditated slap across the face. That's not how it was written. But, I mean, that single moment has defined his character ever since. Yeah. And they've tried to retcon that out where it was, uh, I think it was in Avengers Forever, that he was under the influence of a, a villain at the time. But, yeah, I mean, that has been the sole thing that has defined his character. But the art, like the writer... He he wrote a like I think ten years ago a big uh, essay entitled "Hank Pym is not a wife beater," <laughs> because that was never how he meant it to be. Right. But anyway, I'm I'm off on a tangent. No, no, no. Come, I I enjoy the tangents. I I, I enjoy you uh, sprinkling your wealth of comic book knowledge throughout this train wreck of an issue i, I feel really stupid because i just figured out something on this page that was very obvious what's that so they land at the avengers mansion and we see all the avengers but we see captain america and but he's not captain america he's wearing a uh, uh a red tie with stars on it and it's our leader captain america ford that's gerald ford and i don't know why i didn't put that together I feel, I mean, it was, it's not the best likeness of him, but that, that's, that's Gerald Ford. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I had that figured out. Yeah, because I, what it was, was I, I was really obsessed with the, or I was really focused on the idea that this was the, the astronaut. So mm. I had missed where they had called him. Uh, Captain America Ford. I just I had seen Captain America, and I, I assumed that this was the like that the the dreamer. Especially because we see at the last panel, um, the 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 Gerald Ford here. The, he says the only thing that all that remains is for you to join us. Click join us, join us. So Kill Raven says he has enough and punches him. And we see that when he punches him, his head kind of separates and hits the dreamer's head. So I thought that that was supposed to be the embodiment of him. Yeah, it's clearly Gerald Ford. Wah, wah. So <laughs> it's on the third read-through here that I, I, uh, we, we pieced together. We both pieced together. <laughs> we didn't pick up on. So when he punches uh, uh, Gerald Ford, it, uh, it ends. It, it, it turned, he woke up. He punched the, the dreamer here and woke him up. So now we learn what's really going on here, kind of. Right, he, he he ends up in the room with uh, not Professor X in a budget freaking cerebro, uh, and uh, yeah, he, 
basically uh, not Professor X is just busy profusely apologizing for putting Kill Raven through hell. Yeah, so he learns what what's going on. So he's like, "How do?" Uh, so one Kill Raven's like, because the guy says it's over. You woken me up. The dream's over at last. Thank you. And Kill Raven responds with, "Over? How do I know that you weren't just another bit of this nightmare? How do I know anything anymore?" Implying that how does he know if he's back in reality? Which in any other story, I think would be a good question. One, people can uh, if people are talking and not clicking and worrying, you're probably back in reality. One would think so, but people, given 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 all the shit Killraven's seen, I could understand his skepticism. I I think he just Killraven has poor reality chesting on the best of days, but anyway, Probably from all the blunt force trauma to the head. So the exactly, <laughs> I, it's a good explanation. He's like, I see and uh, experience weird shit anyway. So how do I know if this is just yeah my thirteen TBIs? But the astronaut tells us, I'm sorry, really, I, I couldn't stop it. Ever since the Mars launch in 1999, when they sent me up unshielded through the cosmic rays about Mars, I've sat like this asleep, but aware, dreaming, projecting my dreams like real things, because there was nothing else to do. So, how did... So, this is... the, the This is... Uh, uh, this is before the, the Martians landed. He went up... To, on a, a Mars launch, and he went through the cosmic rays, uh, which I mean, it wasn't the cosmic rays around Mars; it was the ones around Earth that gave the Fantastic Four their powers. But we know right. that that's that's how you can get powers. So apparently, it sounds like that that it it gave him the power to manifest his dreams. So why is he in this museum? I they don't explain yeah. this. Yeah, that that is, that is something that bothered me too. It's like, okay, so dude gets launched, check. Dude goes through cosmic rays, check, gains powers, check, let's lock the fucker away in a museum for a while. So what? the only thing that I could think of, because if you look, there's like debris on the ground uh, in that one panel. Did he yep. come back? So did he come back to Earth and crash land and then somehow land in the museum? And that's why he's there. Like he went up to Earth or he went up to Mars before the Martian invasion that's when the Martians were like, hey, let's go to Earth. They invaded Earth, and he came. by the time he, he launched in 99, round trip, came back after the Martian invasion, and he crashed land and just been at, uh, in his wreckage in this museum ever since. I don't, I don't know if that was the intent, but that, that's what I was thinking. Or, like you said, yeah. did he come back to Earth and just like, oh, he manifests his dreams. That's kind of dangerous. Let's shove him in a museum where anybody coming through is going to get trapped in his uh, in his dreams and punched by Daredevil. I just none of it makes fucking sense. I don't know why he's there. <laughs> get donkey punched by Daredevil. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's no explanation because my my explanation of him crash landing doesn't make sense because it's not like he's in that wreckage. He's sitting on that weird ass chair just on a level floor. It's not like he well, did that to himself while he was dreaming. There, there was this really nice lazy boy, and as he stumbled out of the wreckage, he plopped down into it to, to kick his feet up for a second and recover, and uh, then got stuck in this machine that somehow kept him alive for freaking, what, 19 years, 20 years, roughly? 
Yeah. I, I, without I, any sustenance whatsoever. I, I guess that it's an all-in-one tube that's going to that helmet. He pisses and shits and, uh, <laughs> in that tube, and then it goes up, and then it feeds him nutrients. I don't know. None of this makes any fucking sense. No, none whatsoever. It, it's, it's absolutely fucking bonkers. And so... He, we, he explains that these are the uh, projections my, uh, that this is I've sat like this asleep but aware dreaming projecting my dreams like real things because there was nothing else to do but it went wrong I couldn't control it the dreams became more and more real and more and more distorted all the heroes of my youth came alive all the myths but it was changed like a kind of hell I had created for myself and I couldn't get out of it so Kilray, I'm just going to read this whole fucking thing fucking so our audience it. can decide for themselves what any of this means. And so you drew me into your dreams. Why? So I could wake you? So you could uh, sit here awake forever? Or forever awake? No. You just lapse into dreams again and draw still more innocence to your nightmare. And he starts to cry. I'm, I'm sorry. And then Kilraven says, no, it's too late for that. Sleep, dreamer. Uh, and keep your dream or keep your nightmares to yourself. And then we get that uh, the machine thanks him for visiting the the dream dome. Please come again. So okay, I, thanks for visiting the dream dome. So that was what its function was. So did they just keep him there as part of the exhibit to, to make dreams come alive? Maybe. And. Maybe it's kind of like, you know, like you pay an extra $10 on top of the admission fee and you, you get fucking whisked away into this guy's nightmare dream reality for a little bit uh, until he, you know, there's an alarm clock that goes off and snaps him out of it. So they basically made, he was a slave. Is, is well, that this just fucking got dark. <laughs> but, and, and so to end it, it looks like Kill Raven just punches him. Because we see I, his sword is at that yes. center of the, but you don't see him grab the sword, and it definitely doesn't look like that's not that's not a slash. That definitely that little effect on him is usually what they do when Killraven punches somebody. I don't know because but, I mean, what, what, how much violence? You know, what was the level of violence that was acceptable back in '76 by the? Uh, comic books authority so i i'm definitely taking that that's why they show us his sword stuck in the sun like that sun model it's him grabbing yeah. it and then him slashing and murdering this guy why is he murdering him in cold blood no less yeah. i mean i okay i understand it's it's uh, it's it's not even a, a preemptive strike it's it's a reactionary thing from from the ordeal he just went through and he explains i mean he says it's so if i leave you here you'll just go I woke you up, but you'll fall asleep again, and you'll for another twenty years. And any other asshole who comes by, you're gonna suck into their dreams. So I'm gonna murder you. I don't. So I mean, do we know? I mean, Killraven didn't even ask. Like, if I unhook you from these machines, can you walk around? That way, you can go someplace and then get on a fucking alarm clock or something, so somebody doesn't have to punch you in the face to wake you up. Yeah, I mean, fucking yeah, I'm sure somewhere. In 2020, there's still, like, a pilot with a screaming meanie alarm that goes off every 10 minutes or some shit. Yeah, I mean, it, he, like you said, cold blood. He murders this guy in yeah. cold blood. There was, this was not, it, it okay. is entirely possible that 
yeah, in a half hour, I'm going to fall asleep again, and I, I'm going to perpetuate the cycle over you. But we do not have enough information to know. Like, oh, if you just hit this button on the back of the chair, I'll have a normal sleep schedule, and I can control if I do this, like, lucid dreaming or not. So it, everything will be fine. Just click this button, and I can leave, and the nightmare is over. So, okay, here's my thoughts <laughs> on whether, they, you know, the implicit stabbing or – or what would, would it be implicit? Yeah, it'd be an implicit stabbing. Um, you, you see that sword front and center a couple panor, panels beforehand, and you see Killraven, you know, prepping. It looks like he, he's he, he's shifting his stance to move. You see the blow, but you can't see the sword because the panel cuts off his sword arm. But as he's walking away, and, and given from the pattern of speech. This is, you know, this is one speech with not, with not without a long pause in the middle. But as he's walking out, he's silhouetted in the doorway, and you can clearly see he's holding his sword in that hand. If yeah. he's walking away, and that's his back presented to us, it's in the hand that dealt the blow. Yes. So, uh, you know, my Columbo freaking sense is telling me, yeah, the motherfucker just shanked him. But I just, I don't... And I understand why he did it because he doesn't—he doesn't want other people to be trapped in the dream. But again, he said that he's—he sat like this for the last twenty years, asleep but aware, implying he couldn't wake up. If simply slapping him could just wake him up, and he said the dreams weren't like that. They—they they happened like that uh, over time. The dreams became more and more uh, real and more and more distorted as time went on. So if he could just go back to a normal sleep schedule, like cycle, which it implies if he had a way to wake himself up, he would be, that this wouldn't happen again. So I just, I don't understand why the only option was to murder him. And I just think if they ran out of space, if he just, if they had just had another page or another couple panels, they could have explained why he was there and why it was necessary that there was no other way to stop this cycle from happening again. Plus, it sounds like it's not like there was a bunch of skeletons around. I think the right. first person who got stuck in this was Killraven. So it's not like this is a, a hazard. Uh, there's not going to be a family uh, at two weeks from now also trying to get to Yellowstone National Park that are going to get trapped <laughs> in this. So I just, it, it just, it, it, like, you, like you said, it seemed like it was absolutely in cold blood that they didn't, ex they, they, it didn't explain it to the point that this was the only way to solve it. It seemed very much like Killraven angry that he uh, he went through that experience and just murdering this guy in revenge. Yeah, that's that's basically what it feels like to me. It's it's very uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's it seems almost criminally lazy how they concluded the story. Yes. Yeah, you know, uh, there, there's. It's really no way you can form some sort of a ethics-based logical conclusion to this. I feel they started with the premise, we want Killraven to fight the some of the current Marvel heroes. And they tried to work backward from that. Well, how would he meet them? Well, they're, they're, simula they're a simulation. Uh, why would they fight them? Because they're distorted. But they never fully fleshed out the story. And again, we, we talked about this when we uh, during the preview that we talked about at the end of like last Amazing Adventures episode, that we've already had an episode or, or an issue where they went to a building that manifested illusions 
and 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 people's uh, stuff from their imagination. This really feels like a uh, uh, that they're retreading on that same idea, but that was executed much better. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's this baffling. God. It, I mean, yeah, kind of was a bit of a train wreck. Yeah, how that guy got from Mars orbit into this dream dome and why they would do that and why there was, oh, to make sure this never happens again, you absolutely need to be murdered. And I'm not saying that there wasn't, there, there wouldn't have been a way to explain it, but just to take for granted from what Killraven knew there that yeah, this person's a menace that's going to cost other people their lives there was no explanation there because apparently if that if the people had put him there to create the dream dome then clearly it was not a a a hazard to people it was an attraction it was something good it manifested that way over time so again it, it, he didn't need to die i don't fucking know i have no fucking ideas man it's <sighs> yeah inexplicable yeah, exactly Exactly. Inexplicable, lazy, you know, and, and I'm sure at some point there's like, you know, they're, they're sitting there trying to storyboard this shit. And then like some fucking editor is just like, we don't have the room for that. Wrap that shit up now. I mean, I liked your idea a lot better where it was a uh, uh, Professor X who's in suspended animation, but you know, his mind is active and leaking out. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I held on to that idea firmly, firmly until the bitter end when it was just, no, it's just this washed up dude that got blasted with cosmic rays. He would have woken Professor X up, and Professor X would have looked at him and said, you know, I, my body's atrophied too much, I'm in agony. Uh, I can't control this power anymore. The kindest thing you could do for me is to put me out of my misery. Please, please kill Ray. He would have called him Jonathan. Please, Jonathan, would you do me this mercy? And Kill Raven realizes, you know, he's like this. He's right. We don't know how to treat him. Every, I mean, he's only been out of this tube for a minute, and he says his like nerves are on fire. It's excruciating. He's dying anyway. But this is going to be a long, painful death. I'll grant him this mercy. And then in the end, he could have a stupid thought bubble where this is you know if we had scientists alive who weren't murdered by the martians they would have been able to to help this man this man who had such power and would have been able to to further mankind but instead he you know we we he we had to put him out of his misery we had to to kill him this is another resource cost another man's life yes. destroyed by the martians yeah we had to squander this resource yes yeah, that that and the, yeah, exactly, exactly. That would have been fucking ten times better of an ending. Yep. See, look, fuck this. You know what? Let's let's fucking get in the wayback machine and let's yeah. just take over fucking writing for this fucking uh, series. Yeah, let's just do that. Take that, nineteen seventy six Marvel bullhead. Suck it. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've I've read a lot of Bill Mantlo's stuff. It's good. It's just I think that we've seen this before, where they put like a pitch hitter in on the book, and you know they're not, you know they probably read just some like the cliff notes of who this character is. Here we have a week. Give me a story. 
Yeah, pretty much. It's just kind of like, yeah, this is one of the you know back burner titles. Can you just kind of fill in for this real quick? It's canceled after next month anyway, so just give us something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Don's busy working on the next big thing. Will you, will you pinch hit for a second and just yeah. kind of give us a throwaway story? So <clears throat> it sounds like we were both on the same uh, page. This one was a, a waste, particularly since it's the second to last issue. Yeah, uh, I, and not only is it just a waste, it, it's a waste that could have been so much better. Agreed. Like, it wasn't a trash story. A couple of fucking minor tweaks, and you'd have had a really good, compelling story. Yep. And instead, you know, it, it, once again, squandered. Yep, absolutely. Ah, much disappoint. So sad. That's it. We got uh, We got one issue left. True believers. One issue left, and we will fucking have a map next week. The journeys of Kill Raven, plotted out in Google Maps for your viewing pleasure. I'm gonna hold myself to this. Just imagine you doing it like on Google Maps, and every every step of the way, uh, Google Maps just keeps telling you rerouting. Didn't you want you wanted to go this way? You wanted to go this way. You wanted to go this way. Because I mean, he's he's going everywhere but New uh, or uh, Yellowstone. But uh, this is it. And then once we're done with Kill Raven, <clears throat> we're starting uh, our Star Trek run, which uh, we have a special guest for our uh, first episode. Yes. I don't think I've mentioned the name on the air, but we we firmed it up. So I'm going to I'm going to announce it here. You've heard it here first, guys. From the Marvel Noise podcast, we have Super Steve Raker guest starring on the comic book dungeon i'm quite excited and now i have to listen to a marvel noise podcast so i at least have a clue who this person is oh if you've if you've never listened to one before you are in for a treat he's also does the indie comic book noise as well but yeah we have that that we're looking forward to that i'm uh really excited about and uh we're gonna see if we can schedule or fit this all in the month of december um we also have a tradition around here punish sember and I have an idea, and I haven't talked to Cruz off the air or off the air about this yet. So he's hearing it at the same time you got you listeners are. Tell me what you think of this, Cruz. I have an idea for a Punisher issue that I've been wanting to cover on here for a while, and I think this would be the best opportunity, especially since we just did a what if. Okay. My favorite what if issue is what if the Punisher had gotten the Venom symbiote. Ooh. I thought that would grab your attention. Oh, yeah. That's definitely grabbed my attention. I think that would be a uh, good one for this Punish Sember. So we got some good shit for you guys. Fuck yeah. And something that Cruz and I did talk about off, uh, off mic that we're going to talk about next episode is uh, kind of a challenge here. Both of us are going to come up with uh, teams, our dream team of, say, if we could uh, write a Marvel Ensemble book uh, with a team of five characters. We're each going to come up with, say, two teams of five different characters and why we think that would be a good book or why we chose that characters, and we'll talk about it next episode. Fuck yeah. So here's the deal. If you guys want to get in on that, uh, I can't guarantee with how our schedule is that we'll have time uh, that that they will necessarily get in on that episode. 
But if you write in with the, your team of five Marvel characters, they can be heroes, they can be villains, they can be a mix, they can be anybody in the Marvel Universe proper. They don't have to be a hero. If you wanted a team of Aunt May, Uncle Ben, um, trying to think of some of the other non-Marvel uh, heroes, there's a thousand of them, and why you think that would be a compelling book, <clears throat> you you let us know, but you write in comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com uh, 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 and tell us your dream team. Oh, I already have an inkling for something good. There's a there's a book out, there's a what if where Aunt May was the Herald of Galactus. <laughs> so I hope that didn't steal your thunder. Oh, man. <clears throat> so yeah, if you guys have any questions, write, again, write us, comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at BrokenLMD. And you can reach me on the Instagrams at comicbookdungeonpodcast. All right. And as always, keep turning them pages. And as always, I like to end this with something inspirational, something that you guys could use. So if you guys are writing a or a comic book and you want your character in it to meet uh, the heroes of uh, the, the Marvel Universe... Just take another couple minutes and think that one through a little bit more to make sure you actually have a good, well-thought-out ending. <laughs> Don't half-ass it. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> just, just make sure you get a Daredevil donkey punch in there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give Daredevil some pan goat legs and just, <sighs> that, that people will be so focused on that they won't notice that doesn't make any sense why the dreaming spaceman is there and why we have to kill him at the end of the issue. Oh, my fucking God. It was a beautiful day. Sun beat down. I had the radio on. I was driving. Whatever is mine I'm running down a dream
I'm Marge Simpson, and this is my husband, Homer. Oh, nice to meet you, Marge. I saw your hair from the plane. And you must be the man who didn't know if he had a pimple or a boil. It was a gummy bear.